Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com, Pete Sweeney, joined once again by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. John, it is Tuesday, October 27th. The Chiefs are 6-1. and one. How are you holding on? I'm doing well. I'm I expected the Chiefs to be about 6-1 and one at this point of the season. I did not expect for there to be snow on the ground at this point in the season. But Bigger upsets, snow on the ground on October 27th, <laughs> or the Raiders beating the Chiefs a couple weeks back. So here we go. I just want to describe what's going on. I know you guys haven't heard from us in a while. The reason being, we had a lot of Monday night games in a row, and our guys on the Arrowhead Pride Laboratory were doing the post-game show, so we let that sit on Tuesdays. We did make a schedule change. So now moving forward, because we've started up Arrowhead Pride Radio with 610 Sports Radio for the remainder of the season, that'll kind of count as our Thursday show. So you will hear the editor show each and every Tuesday, so long as the game is on Sunday. That's been the biggest thing. The Chiefs keep <laughs> getting these random Monday games, so you haven't heard from us in a while. But Tuesdays, the rest of the season... And then once the season is over, we will probably go back to that two episodes per week. But the good thing is on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, you should be getting a new show of some sort each and every weekday, which is great. And there'll be some bonus content on the weekends from the podiums, things like that. So we're pretty excited about that. On today's show, we will review Kansas City and Denver. We'll go through the best from the press conference on Monday and Sunday, and then we will Reveal our questions entering New York Jets week. Big opponent this week, John, the New York Jets versus the Kansas City Chiefs, a, a David versus Goliath, if you will. Yeah, um, I don't think there's any question which one is David and which one is Goliath. No. <laughs> All right, let's get into some marinated takeaways from the Chiefs and the Broncos. The Chiefs won 43-16 to 16 this past Sunday in Denver. I, I think my first takeaway from this game, as I thought about it more and more, is the Chiefs are fortunate to have this complete team now. I think back to the 2018 season where it was, can Pat do enough to win despite the defense being one of the worst units in the National Football League? And in two years' time, we are such a far cry from that. And a lot has to do with the front office. A lot has to do with the success of Steve Spagnuolo and putting guys in the right spots, some draft investments, some free agency investments. But you see the offense struggle. 
And that has been happening for, I think, the past couple of games. Usually, you would think the Chiefs offense would be more potent. Didn't matter in this one because of the touchdown by Byron Pringle for 102 yards. You had Daniel Sorensen, who continues to be the ultimate role player guy and has moments like that. And you really didn't need the offense to do too much. And I think that was a sign of the times. The Chiefs it's great when, when Mahomes goes all out, it's great when they win by 40 points. And a lot of it is offensive touchdowns, four and six touchdowns, but nice to see the other units come along and really be a reason for success. That's what they were building towards. Yeah. You know, I wrote about this uh, kind of a version of this on Sunday. And to me, it's more about thinking back to 2013, the first year that uh, Andy Reid was here. We often talked in that season where the defense was very good, particularly early early part of the season. The Chiefs went out to a 9-0 and record uh, to begin the year. Um, And we always talked about, what would this team be like if it had a pretty good offense? Uh, Even a pretty good offense. Right. And uh, and that's what we saw on Sunday, is what the Chiefs would have looked like in 2013. Um, If they'd had a pretty good offense, they could go in there and just wallop on teams. But they had to depend on their special team scores in order to win those games and and their defensive scores. That wasn't the case. On Sunday, the Chiefs could have won that game even with uh, what we would consider to be an anemic offense <laughs> that scored 29 points. It's hard, hard not to it's hard not to think, and, and it's a good point by you. The previous defense and the previous defensive players. What is Derek Johnson thinking when he's watching this offense or Tom Ali, Justin Houston from afar, even Eric Berry, who we haven't really heard from in quite some time. I mean, when they were performing well, you just needed a quarterback or a a key offensive Mm -hmm. role player. And they just barely missed out on what is one of the better offenses in the national football league. You think about not only Mahomes and obviously Mahomes is a big part of that, but it also has to do with the rest of the players around him. Um, you know, you think about what the wide receiver core was like in 2013. Uh, nothing like what the Chiefs have now. Or, uh, you know, Jamal Charles was great, but the Chiefs on Sunday had two really fine running backs uh, yep. running the ball. So it's it's more than just Mahomes, although Mahomes is obviously the biggest part of it. But uh, that's what it felt like to me. It was like it was like the 2013 defense and special teams uh, with the the current offense, and it seems like an unstoppable combination if if they continue to contribute in that way. That leads us to our second marinated takeaway. And John, you want to talk a little bit about the special teams? Yeah, uh, you know we've grown accustomed to a lot of success. Uh, from the special teams in Kansas City while Dave Tobe has been the the head coach. We've talked about this before. You know, they've had, uh, we had, they had a very long streak of giving up, giving up a kickoff return for a touchdown that ended uh, yeah. this season. And in fact, if you look at uh, the places that codify this kind of stuff, the Kansas City Chiefs special teams are actually not doing very well uh, under uh, DVOA right. uh, special teams. Ratings. The Chiefs are among the bottom teams in the league this year. The Denver team is about average, yet on Sunday, uh, the Chiefs had a pretty good day on special teams. Not only the touchdown from Byron Pringle, the the kickoff return for a touchdown, but I also noticed on that onside kick attempt uh, from Denver late in the game, the Chiefs special teams unit looked like 
they had planned the onside kick. I mean, they the blocking right. for Demarcus Robinson to come in there and pick up that ball looked like the the special teams unit had planned for it that Almost way. It looked like score. the offensive line opening up a hole. It was crazy. Yeah, I would agree. I know that there have been issues with extra points. We will get into that in our second segment. But besides that, good to see the Chiefs special teams coming along. And that's to be expected with Dave Tobe. I just don't think they're going to struggle for too long. Uh, I don't think that the beginning of the season is a sign of things to come or anything like that. My next point on Chiefs and Broncos. You know, I, part of this job is admitting when you were wrong. I might have gotten a little too excited about Drew Locke. I, I really thought he was the second best quarterback in this division, and he might be the worst quarterback in the division. I just thought I'd seen signs of maybe being a dynamic player, and he just was out of sorts on Sunday. The Broncos had a couple opportunities early in the game where it just was missed passes and not, not a, being able to hit his receivers. Uh, while we're on the subject, same thing with Josh Allen. I, you know, we crowned Josh Allen. He was getting MVP talks toward the beginning of the year and seems to have hit a rough patch here. Uh, granted, I mean, the season's 16 games long and, and you're not going to play well at each and every game. But Drew Locke it just didn't look the part to me for the first time on Sunday. And I thought for a while that the Broncos had their man. I'm not sure that they don't. He's just a young player who hasn't played well against the Chiefs. Part of the problem, I think, that we run into in Kansas City, you're right, is just the fact that Mahomes was so good so early. And that is so abnormal, but it just mm. has become the norm for us these last couple of years. Yeah, and I think that you also have to give some credit to the Chiefs' secondary. I mean, people want to bag on the secondary because the Chiefs haven't invested in big free agent signings or, uh, or high draft picks, picks yeah. and all that kind of thing. And the Chiefs' secondary has actually been very good, and it continues to get a little better each year. And they've now got a really good unit. At Craig Stout uh, wrote about that today in his defensive film review on arrowheadpride.com, and I think he's exactly right. Of course, I've been banging this drum for right. a long You're time. You're a secondary truther. It is election yeah, season. I, I am. You're I, a secondary truther. I have been for a while, so you're going to expect to hear that from me. But um, really, the numbers show that the secondary has been playing well, and you got to figure that in to how uh, quarterbacks like Allen and Locke have done against the Chiefs. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but we are in week three or four-ish of Legereus Sneed being out. I, I know that we expected him to be at six weeks. I probably around the bye week is when we could probably start talking about that again and seeing when he may get back in the mix. Who who would have thought that right. <laughs> we've been we'd be looking forward to Legarius Need, the fourth rounders return <laughs> at this point in the season, but he is going to be quite the addition when the Chiefs can get him back. Yes, indeed. Uh, and I agree. I, I don't think anybody expected to see this from Sneed this year, but I personally am fine with it. I'm not complaining in the least. It's the speed. It's the speed. As great as the Chiefs cornerbacks and the defensive backs are, can't beat 4-3, and he can stick with some of the more talented receivers in the league. That's going to be a great help when he can get back in the lineup. All right, let's get to our fourth marinated takeaway from Chiefs and Broncos. John, Nicole Hardman. I'm just wondering if we're being a little too impatient with Nicole Hardman. Um you know, we used the uh, example of Tyreek Hill to inform what we thought was going to happen with Nicole Hardman. 
Um, he played one season as the main returner and then immediately, and, and in that initial season was used sparingly as a wide receiver, a position he had not played, uh, in his previous college games. He was a running back, uh, in college and a returner. Um, and then became a, a significant contributor as a wide receiver in his second season. And I think everybody just assumed that's what was going to happen with Nicole Hardman. And it hasn't really played out that way. And I'm starting to hear people talk about him being a bust and, you know, they shouldn't have taken him. So why didn't we get DK Metcalf and all this kind of stuff? And I, I think there's a, a case to be made for being patient with McColl at this point in his career. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's just like you said about uh, Mahomes. We get accustomed to uh, the idea that a quarterback should come in and start and be fantastic right out of the bat because we've got Mahomes and that's what happened with him. It happened with Hill too, but Hill has proven himself to be one of the NFL's top, top receivers. So maybe he's more of an outlier there. Um, the Chiefs have opted to give more snaps to Demarcus Robinson and that's been working. And right now they're not prepared to give more work to McCole Hardman. Maybe they know what they're doing. I just think we're being a little in, little too impatient with this young man. Yeah, I think where I agree with you is naturally on the Chiefs, there's just less opportunity than elsewhere, given you have Tyree Kill, Travis sure. Kelsey, when yeah. he's healthy, Sammy Watkins. The Chiefs believe in Demarcus Robinson because he knows the playbook. Now, all of a sudden, Byron Pringle's pre creeping up. And let's not forget about your first-round running back and now your multiple all-pro running back that's in the mix. One football in the game, you've got about 50 or 60 offensive plays usually. So the amount of opportunity is just simply not there. Where I would maybe disagree with you is that this wasn't a fourth or fifth round flyer. I mean, it's a second rounder. And right. in the first year, okay, maybe you give that second rounder an opportunity to get used to the NFL. But you would think or you would hope if you hit it, right, and part of that is the personnel staff, that he'd be a little bit more of a contributor in year two. And the problem is with Metcalf. That's probably the biggest problem in the Hardman conversation. Um, Metcalf is a freak. Um, he is looks to be going to be one of the top wide receivers in the NFL. And the Chiefs went with Hardman. And I, I think that was because he fit the profile of Tyreek a little bit more. Don't forget there was all that hoopla going on that summer. And it is what it is. You know, it, it, it they, the Chiefs probably feel like they should have went in the Metcalf direction. They didn't. And it is what it is now. And and he'll have to face that comparison, I think, uh, for a while right. yeah. until he sort of carves out his own role and, and we'll see what that becomes. Well, we're talking about fans being patient, not the team being patient, you know? <laughs> so yeah. so I'm just counseling the fans to to maybe slow your roll a little bit um, because, you know, next year we could see him be a big contributor in the team. You know, Demarcus Robinson, in all probability, will go someplace else next season. And McCole Hardman will still be here. So I, I, think, uh, I think we just need to be a little more patient with the guy. Final marinated takeaway from Chiefs and Broncos. We have seen that the offense has had lulls before in the past, even with Patrick Mahomes. I know that there were those injuries last year, but in that time period during the season with the Colts and uh, the Texans where all of a sudden they were seeing different looks and 
even prior to, I remember there were problems with Alex Smith in his final season for a period of games and everyone was really worried. Should they be benching him? Things like that. So similar to you, John, I, I, I definitely think that it's worthy of some concern but I don't think we should be jumping off a cliff with the offense. We've seen periods in two or three or four games where it's been off before and you'd rather that be happening in week six and seven and eight than 15, 16 and 17 as you get into the playoffs. Typically by the end of the season, Andy Reid has this offense rolling, especially with Mahomes. And so you got the Jets this weekend. I think you're going to see improvement from the offense. Then you got the Panthers. And both teams, I think, offer almost a lab for you to get right before you <laughs> have the bye week. And these difficult games on the second half, you're going to have the Raiders again. And you got the Bucks, who look like a Super Bowl contender. John, I told you. <laughs> yeah, and, then you the, and then the New Orleans Saints, of course. Um, you're going to need your offense clicking to beat those teams uh, again. And so... You know, I, I'm not overly worried until maybe you see an, an egg laid against a Jets or Carolina. Right. I, I agree with that. And you kind of touched on my point about it, um, the, the, the point I would make about it, which is the similar to the one I just made, is that you've got to consider the, the competition as well. You know, these teams know now that the best way to slow down Mahomes is not to blitz him but to try and uh, get some pressure on him with a four-man rush because he will beat that blitz every time. And so that's what we see every week. Right. And it's harder for Mahomes to put up those big gaudy numbers like he did during his first two seasons, particularly in his first season as a starter. And uh, yet the Chiefs defense has come along and Mahomes doesn't have to be uh, the guy who produces all those points. So, you know, yeah, it's a lull. But as we face the teams over the next couple of weeks, it may not be a lull any longer. And it's not always all about Mahomes or the Chiefs offense. The other guys are on scholarship, too. Welcome back, of course, to Colin Saunders. You have Alex Okafor, who will be out for at least the next three games. He went to IR prior to the game. So that is your final update about Chiefs Broncos. When we come back, we will talk about Andy Reid's press conference from Monday. Stay with us on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G Podcast. we got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show, pumping along. What do we got? Week eight. Rolling along. We will be reaching the halfway point after this game against the New York Jets. Want to get into Andy Reid's press conference from Monday. And I'm actually going to start with a clip from Patrick Mahomes from Sunday talking about the old Mahomes, the 2018 Mahomes versus a much more mature 25-year-old Mahomes now, and then Andy Reid's comment about it from Monday. First, here is Patrick Mahomes. I, I was talking to Tyron about it after the game, actually, right before he came out here. I was like, 
uh, young Patrick would have probably tried to force it and thrown, thrown a ball and maybe made a bad interception or something like that. Whereas now, uh, seeing the way the defense is playing uh, and not and knowing that it's not there, uh, just kind of taking uh, either taking the sack or, or not completing the pass and, and throwing it away where it's not going to be interceptable. And so you have, to, you have to learn ways to win in this league. It's not always going to be 400 passing yards or 200 rushing yards or whatever it is. It's going to be uh, finding ways to win. And I think this team's doing a great job of doing that. Listen, he doesn't miss much. Um, and so when he when he sees something and you see him pull back, um, I mean, it's in front of all of us. That might have been a time when he would have thrown it and it maybe hits a guy in the side when he's not looking. Um, so something like that. Uh, now he, he'll take that sack or try to escape and get what he can get. Um, might not have done that when he was younger. And it's not necessarily his fault. Um, it just might be that somebody's new and, uh, you know, are learning and something happens, you know, so, and then we can, then we go back and we all get on the bench and we figure it out and, <clears throat> and get it, try to get it right the next time. Patrick Mahomes actually came out of the Broncos game with Alex Smith numbers, 15 for 23, 200 yards and a touchdown, no interceptions. And I think that is a good comparison because when you're winning 43-16, even if you haven't scored the touchdowns, you don't need to be taking as many risks. And I, mm -hmm. I think he has an aspect to his game now as a game manager in a sense. And that's a good thing. Now, it doesn't make fantasy owners like myself and one of my major leagues happy, but he doesn't care about that. All the Chiefs care about is wins. And I think we hear that recurring theme a lot of times because people are looking at the receivers. All the receiver numbers are down this year. I, I think only one player has had a game over 100 yards, maybe two. Um, but at the end of the day, the team is 6-1, and one, and that, that in reality is all they care about. Well, Eric Biennemi talked about that last week, that the they need to care more about the alphabet and that W and that L. And, uh, that was, yeah, and, that was my question. And, uh, yeah. I got a little bit of a lecture and I, uh, yeah. I appreciate it. Thank you, Eric. <laughs> but you know, to me, um, I, I think you're exactly right. I think this is just a, a function of the improvement of the defense, uh, the continued development that we see in Mahomes. Um, you know, we would have been foolish to expect that Mahomes is going to spend his entire career being just like he was at Texas Tech or as uh, as he was in his first season as a starter where he's just taking chances all the time and just, you know, swinging for the fences every time. The Chiefs are always going to develop him into a, a standard NFL quarterback that has the ability to do those things when he needs to. And when he doesn't need to, there's there's no reason not to. Now, I'll also just say that I'm more concerned, frankly, about Patrick Mahomes referring him to himself in the third person. That's a little creepy to me. <laughs> I didn't even catch that. He did that. Yeah. The young Patrick Mahomes. Oh, I was talking I, about the young Patrick. Yes. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm a little concerned about that, but but only in jest, of course. <laughs> yeah. I, I know what he's saying, though, and I, I think that it's it's a good development for the Chiefs, as as odd as that sounds with the game manager mentioned 15 of 23 getting back to Reed, there is an issue with this team that i i think is worth bringing up and it's an extra point issue and it hasn't cost the chiefs yet uh, because they've 
been beating, being able to beat teams. You face some better teams. Sometimes it does come down to one point. And Harrison Butker, after that explosion, those 50 yarders in LA, the reason the Chiefs won the game, he kicks the ball, he turns around because he knows it's good, throws his hands up. Hollywood Butker, and that seems like something's caught up to him where he has now missed extra points in five of the last six games. Here was Andy Reid on the extra point problem. They're working everything through uh, with the holding and the kicking and angles of the ball and all those things. Uh, it just comes with time. They'll be fine as it goes on. Um, I'm not... Uh, that concern about that, um, knowing both guys, uh, they'll they'll figure all that out. So, I don't think the Chiefs are getting rid of Harrison Butker anytime no. soon. I'm not going to those extremes. But if he doesn't fix this over the course of the next five six weeks, then maybe you start talking about that because kickers in general, there just there's so many in the NFL. And they have a shorter leash, it seems like, than the other players, just because it seems like these type of guys are readily available. I think Butker will figure it out. Don't forget this year they have a new holder as well as a new punter in Tommy Townsend. So maybe there's been a little bit of disconnect there. Weird to see Butker struggling, especially after that Chargers game when you started to think the Chiefs not only have the best quarterback in the league, they got the best kicker in the league. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's largely a, a case of the yips, which is a term people like to right. ascribe to this, uh, that it's just a psychological block that he's having trouble getting past. But, you know, I, I don't think the Chiefs are going to get rid of Harrison Butker, even if he doesn't solve this problem, because the percentage is now starting to approach the point where the Chiefs might might start considering uh, going for two all the time. <laughs> yeah. You know, you've always got that as an option. Well, what's so uh -huh. odd about this problem with Butker is he's kicking field goals from about the same length and they're mm -hmm. going in. It, that's why it does seem a little psychological because yeah. it's just a matter of, oh, another extra point. You know, you've missed two. All of a sudden, now you've missed three. Now it's, right. it's quicksand. Uh, uh, do I have an extra point problem? You know what I mean? It, it does seem a little bit interesting and, and weird in that way. Well, I think part of the trouble is is that we've all grown up with the idea that an extra point is automatic. And the last few seasons in the NFL, they simply haven't been. Right. You know, when they when they moved it back, it hasn't been automatic. It's made about what a, a eight or ten percent difference in uh, the accuracy of kickers uh, on extra points. Well, that's significant, and you only have to have one or two over the course of half a season to get away from that. Uh, and it looks pretty bad. And I think his his extra point percentage is now like just under 80%. So, um, you know, I, I think that there's a very good chance he'll figure this out. He'll get past it. And we won't even be talking about it in a few weeks. But if they don't, they can always go for two and probably get just as many points as they would kicking extra points. That's what the numbers say. Special teams coordinator Dave Tobe speaks to the media every Thursday. So I'm sure we'll be writing that up at ourheadpride.com yeah. Thursday afternoon. This was the first game, Chiefs and Broncos, with the running back split, where you had the one-two punch between Clyde edwards Lair and Le'Veon Bell. Here were Reed's comments about the split. Yeah, you know what? It's crazy, Nate. I, I came in and uh, just reviewed the tape one more time here. And, and, um, and w w really, there are like 40 real plays. I mean, when you look at it, 
And, and so before we got into kind of our four minute <clears throat> operation, we lost uh, some snaps in there with the, uh, with the turnover where um, Dan returned the, uh, you know, for a touchdown, the interception, and then the kickoff return, you lot, you know, so the defense's snaps were way up and the offensive snaps were way down. So I think it, it we weren't able to get the whole game plan going uh, the way that you necessarily want to do or get into that rhythm. And by that time, you're up by quite a few points, and uh, which is a great thing. I mean, that makes the head coach very happy, but uh, it, it cuts down on opportunities for, for some of the offensive guys uh, to do their thing. And so I, I would say in that case with Le'Veon just doing both um, or rotating with Clyde, it's already cut in half there uh, with that and and then having the number of plays cut back. But we, we had a pretty healthy load for him in there um, as we went. You saw the two back set where we uh, shifted both of them out. and. It, um, and, and so we, we had a couple other things in there that, that we can utilize his skill and Clyde. So, yeah. Clyde Edwards, the layer finished eight carries for 46 yards. And of course, the 11 yard touchdown, Le'Veon Bell, six carries for 39 yards, no scores for him. I think he did get a glimpse into how the chiefs are going to operate here. It, it does seem like it to me, at least right now, it's going to be close to a 50, 50 split with one running back. Uh, taking a series and then another running back taking another series, keeping keeping them fresh, but not really rotating them during plays to get out of the rhythm, which I think is how you should do this thing. And of course, there's the Andy Reid beautiful mind where you can have <laughs> them on the field at the same time. And given the fact that Patrick Mahomes can run a little bit, I think that's going to throw teams off as well. Yeah, that was something to see, to see both of them on the field. And then they split them out as wide receivers. Uh, that was, uh, I'm sure, not quite what people were thinking about when they thought about the possibilities of having both on the field. Um, but uh, but that's certainly something that Andy Reid's going to try if he has that that kind of a one-two punch available to him. Uh, didn't see much from that this week, but I think we'll see more of it as we go forward. Maybe some things we haven't even thought of yet. Yeah, think about the speed, especially when Watkins gets back of Hill-Watkins yeah the two running backs. And then even if you keep Kelsey on the field, who's, who's got some get up, even though he'd be the slowest guy of all of those guys. <laughs> um, wow. I mean, that's, that is not only a pro bowl team, which is voted by the fans. That could be an all pro type of offense, all star yeah. team. It's amazing to think about given the fact that chiefs have the best quarterback too. So excited to see what Andy Reid does with all of these weapons as the season carries on. Speaking of, the season carrying on. It's the Chiefs and Jets this weekend. A noon game, John. I like that. I know you like it. We yeah. love noon games as as people who report on this team because you can get the work done by about seven or eight as opposed to two or three with this great team that gets <laughs> night games all the time. But that's a, definitely a first world problem. When we come back, Chiefs, Jets, questions. It's next. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. It is officially New York Jets week. The Jets are terrible. Uh, they are 0-7. They are the worst <laughs> team in the NFL, and it's not even close. And you got some bad teams here like the entire NFC East, like the Falcons, like the Vikings. Nope, the Jets are worse. They have managed to uh, be worse. I think the number one question for everybody entering this game, New York, Kansas City, otherwise, is going to be Le'Veon Bell versus Adam Gase. This was a very public I would say 
I don't know if it's a rivalry, but just public disagreements throughout Bell's time in New York about his usage, about relations with Adam Gase, who has not done a good job seemingly anywhere he has been. And you have to think that this will be the question that's asked to Andy and Eric and Bell, and you will get this game is just like any other. We want to get the win. I'm here to tell you that that won't be true. Bell wants to have a big game against the New York Jets, and I I think the Chiefs are going to afford him the opportunity to do so. Really reminds me a lot of the situation when Marcus Allen came to the Chiefs in the early 1990s where he'd been, uh, one difference about it is that he'd been a very effective player for the Raiders, but he uh, didn't get along with, with Al Davis. Yeah, and uh, they put him in uh, the the back of the bus, so to speak. He didn't get very many carries, and he had been very effective uh, playing for the Raiders. And when he came to Kansas City, he had a lot of tread left on the tires. And man, he was motivated. He was motivated to make every snap count. And of course, he was a great player. Besides that, so it really reminds me a lot of the situation with Marcus Allen. And uh, I would like for it to be uh, also the same in terms of his success with the Chiefs over the next uh, 10 or 11 weeks. I mean, I think it's crazy to think that Bell will remain with Kansas City next season. I think he's looking for another payday. But, you know, he gets a ring and finds out what that feels like. He might be willing to play for the team for another couple of years in a situation where he's happy. You just never know about these things. But I'm not counting on him being here after the the after this season is over. If there's mutual uh, interest, I mean, you just never know with this front office. They continue to find ways to fit these players under the cap and even convince the players like Travis Kelsey and Chris Jones do interesting things like maybe not take the exact signing bonus they would get elsewhere. Patrick Mahomes delaying stuff with what was it called? Mechanisms? Contract (laughs) mechanisms or something. And uh, good good on the Chiefs for being able to figure that out with the players and good on the players for recognizing that sometimes you got to take maybe a little bit less to continue to win Super Bowls and push towards this dynasty. And, and you're right. There is a scenario where Bell would like to be a part of that. I think in the heart of Clyde's heart, he does not want that to happen. I think he wants the primary role back after this year, but remains to be seen. Let's see how this thing goes. All right, John, what's your first question of about Chiefs Jets week? Well, the Chiefs are on paper so much better than the Jets. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, that 20-point spread right. that Vegas put out there uh, the, last week uh, is actually a little conservative. I mean, you look at right. you know other ways to measure what the point spread might be for this game. Um, the, the 20 points is pretty conservative. So you have to wonder how the Chiefs are going to approach this game. I I I don't think they're going to look past it. I'm not a big fan of the trap game narrative anyway. Um, I think sometimes you just uh, put a game plan against a team and it stinks. And sometimes they put a game plan against you that makes you stink. Um, that's, that's the in my mind, the primary cause of upsets in the NFL. So, you know, that could always happen. But uh, it's also true that head coaches are human. They're going to go out there and try and design a game plan that will beat any team, but it's just human nature to think, yeah, we don't have to put this out there this week. Right. You know, so then you end up with the so-called vanilla game plan, which could end up making the the score a little closer than we might expect. Well, that's one thing Rich Baldinger noted about the 
Bills game is the Chiefs were running like three or four basic run plays the entire night and were able to find success just because the offensive line was pushing people around and it, it did seem like the game was in hand for most of it. And I, I could see something like that happening. I mean, you do want to save your best looks and your best plays for teams that you're going to need those plays to beat them in. And the Jets just don't fit that bill. My next question about this game, number three, at what point do we get the Mahomes reminder? Because I know this guy is a gamer <laughs> from covering him since the beginning of his career. You're starting to hear what he occasionally will start to hear is chirping about Mahomes and is there a problem with the offense? Is there something going on? And then all of a sudden you blink and he has 412 yards and four touchdowns. Is this the game against the Jets that we see that even with a vanilla offense, John, as you described, the Jets are so bad and Mahomes is so good and his weapons are so good, like we talked about, that this could be the game that you possibly see that. Yeah, uh, and and how many fingers will he hold up? What will we, what will we be looking for in this game? We should probably do a betting pool on this. How many if, if I fingers know, will hold? Yeah, <laughs> if I know Patrick Mahomes, he'll score a touchdown. Does he'll do his ginger walk off the field, or I guess jog, and he'll ring a little bell or something like that. <laughs> and then after the game, we'll be like, Pat, what was that bell you were ringing with your hands? The air bell, and he'll be like, I wasn't ringing the bell. I just was waving <laughs> high at Brittany. You know, something like that. So, uh, yeah, yeah. We we need to have we need to have a pool on this. We need to have a staff pool on this, Pete. We gotta we gotta figure this out. John, your fourth <laughs> question for us entering Jets Week: Can the Chiefs get Adam Gase fired? Yes. The answer is yes. <laughs> the short answer from Pete: Yeah, you gotta wonder if uh, uh, if the Jets are just about at the end of their rope with Adam Gase. This guy's been a mess. He didn't he didn't call the offensive plays last week, right? He he gave up that yes. uh that duty as a, in an effort to try and right the ship and it didn't work. They lost again, got to 0 and 7. Um now, on the other hand, if they can stay close in this game, uh maybe that lets him hang on a bit longer. But if the <laughs> if they come to Kansas City and get trounced, you know, by four scores or, you know, some outrageous uh, butt whooping, uh, this could be the end for for Adam Gase. The biggest miracle of the NFL season is that two head coaches were fired before Adam Gase. That is remarkable yeah. that that somehow <laughs> happened. We've been waiting for this guy to get fired since the beginning of the year. After Bell came to the Chiefs, I was... I wouldn't say praying. That's probably a little extreme. I was really, truly hoping that he made it to Chiefs week so we could see Bell versus Gase. I love storylines like this. I, I love when it's so obvious uh, what happened and what's going on, no matter what anyone says. So I'm, I'm loving that idea of this game this week. I think the only thing preventing Gase from maybe getting fired after this game, which will be a multiple score loss, is the fact that there's one more game between him and the bye week. Like maybe... The Jets mm -hmm. say, let's just keep it the way it is. What's the difference between 0 and 7 and 0 and 9 or 0 and 8 right. and 0 and 9? And that way we have the bye week to get our ducks in a row. Now that's a little risky with COVID. Who knows if you lose your bye week somewhere along the line or something like that where they right. have to reschedule and things like that. But yeah, it could happen after this game. It could be so bad that the Jets say, uh, we're going to move on right now. But I, I tend to think he'll, he'll make it to the bye and then they sort it out. At that point, it's also a, a thing, too, where <laughs> you wonder if like Jets 
personnel, it's like man, you know, he might be our best chance to go one and fifteen or two and fourteen, and then we yeah. can maybe maybe try to get Trevor Lawrence in here because Sam yeah. Darnold is not a a quarterback uh, that seems like he's going to be in the top five, top ten in the league. Uh, and Adam Gase will guarantee you. I I'm telling you right now, Adam Gase will guarantee you a two and fourteen record, so you can maybe take Trevor Lawrence uh, with the first overall pick. I I hate that stuff. I just hate that. I don't buy that. I I don't like it. I don't think professional NFL players ever tank. I just said personnel. I mean I mean the personnel keeping um, keeping Gase in his role. Uh, well, maybe I don't know. I think that Sam Darnold could be a pretty good quarterback if he had the right head coach. I think if, I'm with if you. He had the initials EB, for example. I, I I agree with you. I think I'm with you in the sense like I think it's crazy for fans to truly believe that players go out and just throw the game. I don't think yeah. that's the case. But what I will say is keeping Gase in there. I mean, you've seen now with the Texans and the Falcons, teams just play better when you get an interim coach in there. Why not keep Gase in there? Say, let's just take the record for what it is. Fire him after the season, and then maybe if you have two or three wins mixed in there, maybe one win, you're in a great position to either draft Trevor Lawrence or if you feel like you still believe in Sam Sam Darnold, get a bunch of picks because that that team needs a lot of help. They are years away, and so I, I just feel like you got to start stockpiling some of these advantages that you can potentially get in the offseason. But that is a different thing than saying players tank. Yeah. And that's the thing that I object to the strongest is the idea that a professional football player would tank a game. I've been around a lot of professional football players in my career covering this team, and I never met a one of them that I thought would seriously consider tanking. I don't think I've ever talked to a head coach that would seriously consider tanking. Now, the scenario you're talking about is ownership saying, let's keep this head coach in there. Right. I could see that. From some owners, the Jets, uh, remaining, but yeah. yeah, but not the players or the coaches. The Jets' rem- remaining schedule, if you're on zero and sixteen, watch by the way, is Chiefs, Patriots, Chargers, Dolphins, Raiders, Seahawks, Rams, Browns, and Patriots. Uh, besides Cam Newton, who has fell off a little bit, you're facing some pretty good quarterbacks, or at least quarterbacks who can beat you the rest of the way. So we shall see what happens to the New York Jets. My final question: Entering Jets Week is what are the statuses of Sammy Watkins and Taco Charlton? Because the Chiefs did not put Sammy Watkins on IR, you would think that this is the week they highlight as getting him back in the mix on Wednesday because you have an unlimited amount of IR returns this year. If he was going to miss three games, you just throw him on the list and he doesn't count against your roster. So I, I tend to think Watkins will try. It seems to me with Taco Charlton being shut down last week because of his knee, he seems less likely to me, but these have grown to be two key role players on both sides of the ball for the Chiefs, so that is worth watching on Wednesday. My question is hypothetical, because why not? This is a podcast. If Sammy can't play, does Byron Pringle deserve what would be a full look? And we talked about being patient with McCole Hardman, and I think we could stay patient with McCole Hardman and give Byron Pringle what he deserves, because he has now had key third-down catches against the Raiders, Uh, maybe the biggest catch of the game against the Bills when the Bills were starting to muster up a comeback. And now you have him with the ball in his hands and he's able to return at 102 yards, something that Hardman really couldn't muster up that much. I know he did have the return for a touchdown last year. So does Byron Pringle deserve maybe a look over what would be a Robinson or a Hardman? I would say yes. Uh, Keeps getting targets and keeps catching the football. Not everyone can say the same on the Chiefs. 
Yeah, actually, Pringle got quite a few snaps right uh, against uh, the Broncos on Sunday. Uh, he didn't have a whole lot of production that came out of those snaps. And and you're right; it was mostly about the the kickoff return that gave uh, Pringle all the attention. But he actually had the most snaps he'd had all season against the Broncos. The the number escapes me, but it's a it's a high percentage uh, compared to what he'd done before. So I just I think some of that's going on already. And uh, I, and I would expect it to continue, uh, particularly if, uh, if Watkins is out for this game. Of course, we'll likely have Anthony Sherman back for this game as well. Uh, he should be back off of that uh, COVID list uh, this week. That's a good note that I was not thinking about. So thank you for that, John. Uh, that is our five questions entering Jets Week. Should be a, a week full of fun. And not answers regarding Le'Veon Bell. Can't wait for that. <laughs> now let's get to the best Chiefs thing I heard all week. And this comes from the Pat McAfee show. Asking Travis Kelsey about none other than Patrick Mahomes. What is it about him in between the ears that just makes him the guy? I mean, obviously he can make every throw, but in between the ears, it seems like he's the guy. Yeah, and that, honestly, that's where he separates himself is the confidence. I mean, his arm is second to none. Uh, I think him and Aaron Rodgers are probably the two that can sling it the best in the league. Just uh, anywhere on the field from whether it's back foot, you know, across whatever throw you need, those two can make it. Uh, but what separates Pat is his, is his mentality, man. Uh, as soon as the game's over on Sunday, he, he's in the building Monday. I just saw him two seconds ago walking around trying to get better. Um what he does in terms of preparation, uh, we you talked about it, you touched on uh, how he said he didn't know how to how to read defenses. I think it's uh, I think it was a little bit exaggerated. I mean, I'm pretty sure he could look at the film and see whether it was a two high safety or one high safety and go from there. But I think it's more so uh, being confident in what he's seeing, and, and what that is is it's a lot of work. It's a lot of it's a lot of repetition. It's a lot of film watching, uh, being confident in what you're seeing out there on the field, so you can make the right instinctual decisions because you don't got a whole lot of time to think back there as a quarterback once the ball is snapped. you got to start making instinctual decisions. And uh, his instincts, I mean, you want to talk about some of the best the game has ever seen in terms of throwing the ball. Uh, I, I'm going to say it right now. He's the best in the game at doing that. Oh! <laughs> so there you go. Uh, Travis Kelsey calling Patrick Mahomes the best instinctual quarterback in the National Football League. You buying it, John? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, we didn't have the throw off between Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes to determine that arm strength thing, but I don't think it matters. Uh, you know, he is to me, the best quarterback in the league. That's not even a controversial take as far as I'm concerned. Am I a little biased? Yeah, maybe a little, but I'll give you a controversial take, John. Is he the best quarterback in the division right now? Because Justin Herbert looks very, very good. Yeah, he looked very good on Sunday. Yeah, I know. I'm just kidding, of course, for everybody who's freaking out right now in their cars. No, of course, I would take Patrick (laughs) Mahomes over Justin Herbert. But Herbert, to me, is the second best quarterback right now in the division. That is a pleasant surprise. It's a surprise to the rest of the league because he did not play like this in Oregon. It makes me think, you know, you talk about getting people fired. The Chargers are making the Oregon staff look like they should be completely fired because <laughs> nobody had this about Herbert and his abilities. And he really looks like a formidable opponent for Patrick Mahomes, who we would take over anyone else just to be clear again. Right, right, right. right. Well, you know, Herbert was impressive and I thought he was impressive against the chiefs. 
Um, and I and I thought that even though he had the advantage of being the quarterback that they did not prepare to face, right? That was a very odd thing the way that went down. You don't see that every day. And I think he showed signs of being a really good quarterback, just like Drew Drew Locke did. I, I, you know, you made the point early in the show that you were wrong about Locke, and I'm not sure that you are. I think Locke has played a really good Chiefs secondary when he's played the Chiefs, and and that's that's hurt him in those games. Other games he's played well, and there have also been some where he's played poorly. Um, I think he's still got a chance to turn it around, and maybe we'll see that from Herbert too. That that we'll see these high spots in his first season, and then next year he'll, you know, play poorly against some teams. But he shows the tools to be a guy who could be a player in this league for a while. It's the Chiefs and the Jets coming up at noon Sunday at Arrowhead time. We will keep you updated at ArrowheadPride.com all week on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. Coming up next on Wednesday, it's the Arrowhead Pride Laboratory Mailbag with our guy Matt Lane, who's very excited right now about Byron Pringle. And for good reason, you catch John Dixon at Arrowheadphones. You can catch myself at PG Sween. Also follow Arrowhead Pride on Twitter. Please leave us a review and rating. Thank you to John Dixon. I'm Pete Sweeney. Catch us again, arrowheadpride.com. And thank you for joining us on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G Podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, the future of work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the future of work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts.